Okay, welcome everybody. This is Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. And I'm Justin Nielsen, IBD's head of market research. And I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Corum, multimedia content editor for IBD. How are you doing today, Alyssa? Hey, good. Good. Well, I'm really excited about our guest today. Absolutely one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. Uh, We have Kathy Donnelly joining us today. Now, she's a prop equity trader specializing in IPOs. Uh, She's also co-author of the book, The Lifecycle Trade. A lot of stuff about IPOs in there and how they kind of start out and everything. Uh, Also worth mentioning, she's done an Ironman triathlon. She's got an IBD meetup out there in Denver that is really great. A lot of great people there. And uh, she's got a background in electrical engineering. So how are you doing, Kathy? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Absolutely. A pleasure. And uh, we'll be starting out with a quick talk about the current market, uh, how Bill O'Neill has influenced Kathy's trading career. And then we'll take a look at a few IPO themed stock ideas, a lot of area uh, to cover today. So Alyssa, how about you start us off? Okay, Kathy, great to have you back on the podcast. 2021, it's no 2020. Market (laughs) conditions a little bit different this year, but you know, the last couple of weeks have been looking better after a bit of turbulence. What are you seeing in the market right now? Yeah, Alyssa, you know, it's kind of funny. I was talking to some friends of mine about this the other day. It almost feels like you know, we're, we're kind of struggling. We're trying to figure out what growth stocks are working. And, and that's what it should have been like, I think, in 2020 after the big, uh, you know, bear market. But everything worked so fast after, you know, we had one follow through day and then that was it. And, and it worked. And now it feels like here we are, we're in a confirmed uptrend. But yet we're kind of, you know, can't really find any stocks that are really working. A lot of the ones that worked, you know, are now going sideways or going down. And, you know, we're approaching all-time highs again. So again, we're, we're hitting some turbulence. So it's, it's kind of funny. I felt like, you know, we, we were taking shots. We should have been taking more shots and hard to find stocks working in 2020 after that big bear. But now it feels like that's what's happening now. But yet we're already in a confirmed uptrend. Um, does that make sense? <laughs> well, it's yeah. funny that you say that because one of the things that we were talking about is how 2020 really seemed so forgiving in terms of yes. uh, rules. Uh, you know, if, if you if you follow them, great. If you don't, it's not a big deal. But 2021, it seems a lot more normal. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just feel like uh, I haven't been training as much, and I'm, I'm, I'm just watching. I'm watching a lot. I'm trying to be there. I'm, I like to use the word stalking. I'm stalking a lot of stocks, and I even told myself, uh, you know, earlier this year, like if I have to wait six months to make a trade, then I need to be okay with that because I don't want to just buy anything. I mean, there are stocks to buy. There are setups out there. But, you know, we have a growth stock investing system, Can Slim, and I want to be very, very particular because um, as we'll talk later, you know, it was really just a handful of stocks over many years that really made a difference in, in my portfolio and, and really life-changing stocks. And it really wasn't that many. So I really want to be uh, very uh, sele- selective. And, you know, another thing about this year is growth stocks aren't really a lot of the stars like they were last year. So it seems like that has made it a little bit tricky as well. How have you been dealing with the sector rotation that has been very prevalent this year? Yeah, you know, I like to think of sector rotation as the growth stocks are basing. 
I mean, not all of them. Some of them aren't working at all. But when I think of sector rotation, I think, okay, there's basing going on. So there's stocking. There's stocks I need to stock. Maybe the ones I missed that I want to get in, or maybe the ones that, you know, will be ready soon. Maybe they're coming out of that institutional due diligence phase that, um, you know, we talked about in the life cycle trade about how the IPO bases, you know, IPO comes out, it goes up or it goes down and then it goes sideways for a long time. So sector rotation to me is, yeah, a time where I'm watching and I'm stalking and I'm not necessarily actively trading because I'm looking for those perfect setups. So that's really how I'm approaching it. Well, and in a way, you know, when, when we look at the NASDAQ composite, we kind of see almost this base pattern that's formed in the NASDAQ composite itself. We've got kind of this cup with handle that's uh, you know, recently just kind of gotten back above uh, the 14,000 level, uh, almost you know, been touching the area that we got to those old highs back on February 16th, but not quite surpassing those, those previous highs. Um, so what is it that you're looking for, uh, the, these, these stocks that you're stocking, uh, what is it that you're looking for to take action on? Is there something that you're looking for in the market or something on the individual stock side? I'm really watching the stocks more than anything. I mean, obviously I wanna know where we are on the NASDAQ and the S&P, right? Because we all well, know- There's been a lot of leadership from the yeah. S&P 500 <laughs> well, this, this year. 75% of the stocks are gonna follow uh, the market, right? We, we know that, uh, but there are always gonna be those ones. And if let's just say we weren't in a confirmed uptrend, you know, there's gonna be those strong stocks that are gonna go before the uptrend starts, right? So I'm, I'm watching those bases. I'm looking for the accumulation. I'm looking for tight action. And, you know, if they start going early, you know, whatever early means even right now, since we're already technically in a confirmed uptrend, then, you know, I need to be there. So I'm watching those trend lines. I know you guys like to watch those too. I'm looking for the volume to come in. Uh, I'm looking for that accumulation. So you know, if, if one meets that, then I'm going to try it. You know, I've got my stop loss if it doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm watching more than taking action. And also liquidity is important to me. I don't see a lot of really big liquid stocks that have set up as much of the ones that are of lower liquidity. Um, and $20 million is really my minimum. That's kind of what we saw when we did our research of the ones, the institution is really, you know, or the, the quality ones that they can get in and out of. And, and those are the ones that I want as well. But even 20 to 100 million is a little illiquid for me, I feel like. And when you say 20 to 100 million, you mean the average daily dollar volume. So exactly. Looking at, yes, so exactly. looking at the last 50 days of average volume and then just basically multiplying that by the stock mm -hmm. price. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And with it being earnings season, I feel like that has an impact on how you're stocking these stocks. How often would you say, is that earnings move the catalyst for you entering a position and uh, potentially winning trade? That's a great question, Alyssa. And that's exactly what uh, you know I look for. I look for those big gap ups, right? Because Bill said, you see a gap up, you can buy gap ups. So it's the only time you can buy extended. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, I mean, we're still early in earnings season. I'm, I'm looking this way because that's where my calendar is. So I have all the stocks <laughs> written down <laughs> that, you know, when they're, when they're reporting. Um, but yeah, gap ups are definitely a catalyst and, uh, you know, this is going to move, get a lot of these ones going or not going. And, you know, like you guys, I don't like to buy 
the day before earnings or two days before earnings, but I'm watching it after earnings. And uh, yeah, I know either buy it on earnings or I'll wait for some sideways action. Uh, you know, Scott Sinclair and those guys have mm -hmm. talked about their buying, uh, buying gap up rules and I'll use that to get into stocks for sure. So oh. see, still early. And that's one of the things that, you know, I look at the NASDAQ composite and what it's doing right now as a good thing. You know, a little bit of that sideways action in the market, a little bit of that sideways action in your individual stocks. Um, and then, yeah, with earnings season upon us right now, it's kind of like I'm hoping for some of those pops to, to create some actionable things. Now, you mentioned earlier how uh, it's, it's funny that you're kind of saying how you're doing all of this stocking right now and, and waiting when we're already in this confirmed uptrend. It, you know, it's, it's part of this is, you know, we have had some pullbacks. I mean, the NASDAQ composite was underneath the 50-day moving average line for a while. It looked like we were potentially going into a more serious correction, but then it just righted itself. Um, so how long have you been stocking things? Is this, has this been a more recent thing or have you been stocking for a while? Uh, and, and how hungry is that making you, I guess, for your meal? Yeah, you know, <laughs> as, as investors, as traders, yeah, we get that urge to trade, right? So it, it, it's hard. Because <laughs> so you do a lot hungry. of yoga, meditating, <laughs> physically sitting on your hands, I don't exactly. know. <laughs> well, you know, for a long time, you know, trading was a part-time you know, part-time, I mean, I, it was full-time, but it was part-time, right? Cause I had a full-time job and then really all my work was done in the evening for, for trading. So uh, when I transitioned from corporate life to, I guess, full-time investing life, I really didn't add more time to how much I uh, spent on investing. So now this is where I train for my Ironmans during the day, you know, I'm working out in the morning and sometimes mm -hmm. I'll talk to a friend and I'll be like, what's the market doing? Cause I might not even really know. I'll know what my individual stocks are doing. Absolutely. And the stocks that I'm stocking, I know what they're doing, but I'm not necessarily looking at the market. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have been holding some stocks uh, since 2020 that have had some really strong runs. Uh, I only recently sold Zoom, you know, so those keep me in the market, right? I still have some of those stocks that are holding the 40 week. And so those, you know, keep me in tune with the market. And then I've got the ones that I'm watching. And I just keep trying to remind myself, you know, it only takes one or two in a year. You know, that's what Bill said to really make your year. And I'm just really more than ever. And I don't know why. I guess maybe because I, I just recently was looking at my whole investing journey. Journey. I'm really just trying to focus on sitting on my hands because I don't want to be tied that much to the market. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of your investing journey and lessons from Bill, that's exactly what we're going to talk about when we come back. So we'll see you on the other side of this commercial break. Want to dominate the stock market this year? With the latest stimulus now in your pocket, you may be guessing which trades are the best to invest in. But with VantagePoint, you don't have to. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how VantagePoint's AI technology can forecast stock market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. VantagePoint's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Check out www.freestockcoaching.com and experience VantagePoint for free. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Welcome back to Investing with IBD, sponsored by VantagePoint. It's Ali Coram, joined by my co-host, Justin Nielsen, and our special guest, Kathy Donnelly. Now, Kathy, picking back up where we left off, 
talk to us a little bit more about your investing journey because you do have this somewhat unique approach to catching these winning stocks and riding them for long periods. We were talking about Zoom before we went to commercial break, but talk to us about your journey and how it's led you to become the trader you are today and these unique strategies that you are using to be very picky when it comes to your stock selection. Yeah, well, you know, it kind of stemmed from, uh, you know, I, so you mentioned uh, I, um, I'm part of a meetup. I, I run a Denver, the Denver IBD meetup, which will one day be in person, uh, <laughs> hopefully. Yes. <laughs> but I also participate in the Fort Collins IBD meetup, which will also one day be in person. And we were talking about our investing journey. So just kind of off the top of my head, I was writing down the, the, the really the key stocks that you know, I feel like really made a difference in uh, my career. And when I think about just can slim specifically, I've been doing can slim system for about 14 years. And I wrote down and it was about 20 stocks in a 14 year period that really like made the difference. I was like, wow, only 20 stocks. Like that was just like really weird to me. That's like, you know, a stock a, and a half a year. And here, and I made this uh, little chart with all the little icons to kind of show the different. Yeah, I love that you did the icons. That's great. Yeah, wasn't that fun? Yeah, I really, <laughs> I really like this chart. And Apple, that's one of the main, that was a key life-changing stock for me. And uh, even Tesla, uh, key life-changing uh, stock for me. And then, of course, the other ones uh, were essential too. But, you know, I started this system, uh, you know, right 2006, 2007. And, you know, I was just learning. I had seen Bill speak at a level three and it was Apple was really my first stock that I uh, kind of bought early. And, and then the story is uh, I actually heard from someone who said, oh, Bill's buying Apple right now. <laughs> and, you know, and, and Luckily, I was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. So Justin could probably <laughs> confirm <laughs> exactly when Bill was buying Apple. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the good news is I never heard that he wasn't buying it. And I, I mean, you know, in that like, okay, I, I mean, good news or bad news. I don't know. I remember one story, Justin, you told once where, you know, Bill will change his mind really quick. Yeah. So <laughs> Lucky and and he never, he never tells you when he's selling. I mean, right, right, exactly. So uh, anyway, and as you can see, it had a great run up. I mean, 2009 was the start of a great bull market after the, the financial crash in 2008. You know, I made 300% in two years, but what, what I really did good on this stock on accident, complete and total accident was just that I kept buying it. You know, I was just thinking about, you know, Bill saying that he was buying it every time, like tight action and new highs and, and really where I sold it, knowing what I know now, I would have never sold it. I think it was peer pressure. I don't know what it was. I felt like, oh, I, I guess I, you know, I had to sell it at some point, but I don't, and I don't have the records to prove in any of this, but I mean, this, this, I remember I doubled like all my money, like all my money, like not mm -hmm. just in this stock because I had bought it so many times and, and I don't even remember how much money I had back then, not a lot. So I guess, you know, in my mind being young and naive, um, you know, that's probably sometimes the best thing, uh, but that's really what's told me, oh my God, if I can do this with this stock and, you know, I'm still learning where, where can I be then later? Um, well, and sometimes you just need a, just that little bit of success to give you a little taste of, oh my goodness, you know, what's, what's possible. 
you know, if, right. if this, you know, if I, now you have to be careful because what some people do is they extrapolate and say, you know, they had a good year and they yeah. start thinking that every year is going to be like that or every stock that they have is going to be like that. So uh, put this in perspective. You talked about these 20 kind of life-changing stocks, Kathy. How many, how many stocks would you say that you had to kind of test out or try before you, you know, you found that prince after kissing all those frogs? Yes. Well, I unfortunately did have a lot of frogs <laughs> for sure. Well, and that's you the know, process, you know, that's, that is totally the process, but you know, we talk about uh, the win loss ratio a lot, you know, and, and we can, it can be like 50%. I mean, on average, right. That's probably what it is for a lot of us, but the, when we get the ones that are the right ones and we handle them well, then it doesn't matter that your win loss mm -hmm. is 50% because we know how to cut our losses. Yeah, as and long as you keep those losses small. Exactly, exactly. As long as you keep those losses small, which, you know, I, that was one of the rules I used to break when I first started the system too. You know, I would buy extended and I would, the losses would be too big. If I remember the two big things that I didn't uh, rein in the beginning, um, which I'm sure, you know, we've all gone through. Um, but, you know, going through this process, of thinking of it was only 20 stocks in like this 14 year period. Really, Justin, I think that's what's really keeping me on my hands this year because I'm just that I have never, I've never done this before. I mean, literally for this podcast and, and thinking about it, that is really changed me for this year to just be more calm and just really waiting for those perfect setups. Mm -hmm. And another part of your process, of course, is all the research that you've done about IPOs and then that institutional due diligence phase, which you uh, talked about a little bit in the first segment as well, and then the institutional advance phase. Can you talk a little bit more about that and then uh, put it into context with your Tesla trade? Because that was really one of the model stocks that you started using. Yes, that's a great, that's a great lead in Alyssa because Tesla is, was a life-changing stock for me. That was, so that was my second life-changing stock after Apple. And, you know, I didn't even know I was buying it out of the institutional due diligence phase when <laughs> I bought Tesla and looking back, it's like, wow, like, you know, we didn't have a name for it, but that's exactly what I was doing. You know, it had that initial rise after the IPO base or consolidation, and then it just went sideways. And that's that due diligence phase. And then when that arrow is, is where I bought it, right? It was a gap up on news that they were going to have earnings. It wasn't earnings report, but that they were going to have earnings. And that were, that's where I bought it. And then it had a gap up a few weeks later and I bought that. And I also bought that along the, um, on the way up, like I did Apple. And, and did very well. And you'll see there, I, I, I then sold it soon after it broke the 40 week line. And, you know, that's why I think, you know, looking now today after doing that research, confirming that that's for me, the best time to buy, because I can buy early and then hold on. The two institutional advanced phases are the key thing that, that I want to be in. And if I look at all the 20 stocks that I had that we keep talking about, 12 of them, I'm sorry, yeah, 12 of them. So more than half of them were in an institutional advance phase. And that just ties in with what Bill taught us, right? IPOs is where we have the most potential for the biggest runs within those first eight years. And after doing the research, really, I wanna be in there after like that first six months, one year where it's had that time to do that due diligence phase. 
And so that's so, you know, so what I'm looking for 2021, it's the IPOs that came out in 2020 that are now one year, six months later that I'm watching. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that you're stalking. And also, can you talk to us about the kind of growth that you can see in this institutional advance phase can be pretty astounding, but you also always have those sell rules. How, how much of a cushion are you looking to get in perhaps this institutional advance phase when you're looking at that 40 week line as your sell signal, which can uh, be a little bit of a drawdown from highs. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I like to do is, um, you know, and this is important and I sh probably should have brought it up earlier, but all my position sizes, I try to make 12% or more, uh, but really 12% to start. And then I say, or more, because I want to add and get it to 16% so that eventually it's a, it's a 20% or more position for that 40 week line that you were talking about, I need at least hundred percent or more. But when I go into any trade, especially since I'm trying to get in early, right as that advanced phase is starting, you know, I'm already looking for hundred percent or more like minimum. That's like my number one thing. So I go in with that in mind. And then once I get that 100% or more, that's where I'm saying, okay, now I can turn this into a potential 40-week hold. And in conjunction with that, I'll also look at a mental capital preservation stop, which is another thing we talk about in the book, which is making sure I retrain at least 50 to 60% of my gains. So in combination with the 40-week and making sure I retrain those gains, that's how I try to get that year, year and a half, 100% or more. Uh, game for the long run is my strategy. And I think last time you were on the podcast with Arusha, you mentioned how a lot of times they, those two, those two points will coincide, you know, or at least very close. Uh, a lot yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that is very interesting. So now, uh, not, I'm, I'm sure as great as you are, Kathy, not everything you touch turns to gold and not everything goes up 100%. So um, how do you handle those ones that you don't get the 100% gain on. Let's say, it, you know, 20%, 30%. What kind of different sell rules are you using before you get to that 100% uh, level? Yeah, so definitely for those, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for those traditional, well, I guess I don't know traditional, but a, a lot of what Bill would talk about, you know, the 10-week line. Mm -hmm. you know, did it break? And I know you guys talk about it a lot, the, the decisive break of the 10-week line. So if I'm not, if I'm only getting the 40% and then I'm starting to get these, these big breaks of the 10 week line, and now I'm at a 30, 20% gain, it's like, okay, I got to take the 20% because yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait that out. It's consolidating, you know, too quickly. You know, I want those ones that advance from the first stage base to the second stage base, really, you know, those ones that are going like hundred percent or more in that time period or 50% or more, but if it only goes up, yeah, 40, 50, then I'm looking at those intermediate term rules like the 10-week line. Mm -hmm. And how how large are you comfortable with a position size getting? Because if you start at 12 and a half and you were mentioning that there were a couple of those areas on Apple that you were adding to it and you know how you want to get it to 20%, but if you've got something that goes up 100%, you've yeah. got a lot of capital appreciation there too that's also increasing that position size uh, potentially as a percentage of your portfolio. So how comfortable 
uh, wh where do you start losing sleep? At what level does it get maybe a little bit too much, especially if you're going to be holding something down to the 40-week moving average line and potentially taking a larger drawdown? Yeah, I get that question a lot. And, you know, I guess because I've been doing it for so long, you know, I'm not going to say I don't feel anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> I do feel like, oh, man, you know, like that's a lot. But then I got to bring it into perspective. I'm like, well, you know, it hasn't even broken the 10 week line or it hasn't even touched the 30 week. And most uh, true market leaders, you know, I, I've also observed, you know, and, and you've seen it too, they'll touch the 40 week line at least once before they're done. You know, you know, we talk about the 10 week line a lot. I'll touch the 10 week line a couple of times before it's either done or starts to base again, but it will touch the 40 week line at least once, consolidate and keep going. So I just have to remember that, you know, it's just things that remember, you know, the experience going through the feelings before and knowing, just knowing, yeah, I'm going to have that drawdown. Um, so yeah, I, I don't lose a lot of sleep. When I lose sleep is when I decide to buy a really volatile name, especially like an IPO that's just, you know, came out IPO base, you know, they're always really volatile. That's when I yeah. lose sleep and those I don't like to trade very much. But once I have such a big cushion, I just take it into perspective and, and I, yeah, I don't necessarily feel great, but I know what the future will be and I know what will happen, I guess, you know, I know I'm always going to retain a certain amount of gain. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't in my mind ever go wrong as long as, as I retain those minimum amount. Of gain. Well, it's almost that feeling of playing with house money to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. The, your mental strength is very impressive, Kathy. Okay, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and we're going to get into some of the current ideas that Kathy is stocking, especially in the IPO market. Tired of reading about other people getting rich in the stock market? Today is your day. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence has predicted countless market reversals, helping traders weather any storm up to 72 hours in advance. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how their AI automatically recognizes global market patterns well ahead of the news to help you pick the best trade. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com to join a free live training session today. Don't delay. Save your seat now. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Alyssa Corum, my co-host and our special guest, Kathy Donnelly. And we've been talking about some of these big winners you've got, but of course, there's all of these stocks that you're stocking. We had a lot of interesting uh, movement in the IPO market, a lot of interesting IPOs coming out in the last year or so. Um, what's kind of on your radar, Kathy? Well, like I said, I, for, for the long-term more mature, I'm looking for the IPOs from 2020 and into 2021. And I'm looking for a completion of that institution due diligence phase. And I think there's some potential out there. So I'm looking for that first mature base after that happens, after that, you know, it goes down and then it goes sideways. And then that's when you're looking for that first base to kind of come up off the bottom. So that's the is first there anything, thing. Just real quick, is there anything in yeah. that due diligence phase that you're looking at uh, specifically in terms of what you're following mutual funds doing, or is it all just technical action? You're just seeing basing action, action, and that's what you're calling the due diligence. 
That's a great question, Justin. I mean, I'm still always looking for those key O'Neill funds. You know, the, the, you know, I guess that's what, I don't know if you guys still call them the O'Neill funds, right? So that might be old terminology, but the IBD mutual fund index. I'm still looking for those mutual funds that are in the IBD mutual fund index to uh, be accumulating uh, shares in that stock. So I'm looking at that. And then I'm looking also to see that there's accumulation of like all funds into those IPOs as well. So I'm definitely, of course, looking for technical action, want to find that first mature base. But I'm also looking for, yeah, that increase in fund sponsorship and for some of those key funds to be a participant as well. Right. So what is the first one that comes to mind, given all, all of those uh, factors that you talked about, an IPO in 2020, you're looking at this due diligence phase, perhaps a first mature base. What's what's at the top of the list with all that uh, considered? Well, let's look at snow. Okay, let's <laughs> snow do it. is one that I'm stocking. It's very liquid, which we talked about in the, in the very beginning. You know, I want very liquid stocks. And this was this was an interesting one because it had a really great uh, base in the beginning. We see there a couple with handle base on this uh, daily chart and it had initial advance. So it had a little pop and I actually did play that. I played that IPO advance phase and then, you know, it tanked like expected <laughs> and has undercut just recently undercut its IPO day one low. And even that base, it looks like the undercut the whole entire base, which is right. normal, you know, 90% mm -hmm. will do that. And so now it's, ooh. <laughs> there we go. Price scale. Standard. There we go. For, yeah, for those of you just listening, scale matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had scale to change matters. the scaling there. For IBD Live, sometimes we talk about stocks that have been such high flyers, you can't even see half of right. the weekly chart. So got to change it. But I, I changed it back. Sorry to almost give you a oh, heart attack. No. Yeah, you gave me a heart attack. Yeah. No. This, is, this is not the snow I was stocking. <laughs> but yes, I'm only stocking. So I don't own it yet. But, you mm -hmm. know, it's some potential bottoming action here. It looks like it's just barely trying to get back above that 10 week line. You know, I think it's been trading about 32 weeks. I think I looked, so we're not really at that 40 week point and, and 40 week is a good point, right? Cause that's when the 40 week line starts to show up. On the <laughs> oh, there you go. And I've observed, you know, we didn't, we didn't hone in on that when we did our research, but I feel like that's really around the time we'll start to see that uh, first mature base. So here, you know, maybe we're another, I mean, I don't know, we could be another six months, we could be, you know, two, three months, but this is one I'm watching still very liquid, uh, doesn't have earnings yet, but it's got the revenue that we like to see. But this is, again, this is, a, this is one that I'm stalking because when it sets up, I want to be ready. And, you know, the more, the earlier I can buy it, the better, you know, and I've got my stop loss rule of if it doesn't work. Um, but I want to be there. And there you go. So we've got three institutional funds. You see a lot of uh, ownership already increasing. So, you know, that's what I'm looking at. This is one of those ones that it's on the top of my list that if it sets up, I want to be there, you know, because it's got what, what I'm looking for, the liquidity, the sales, the institutional fund sponsorship. And, and you may be some point, you know, it's going to be earnings that, that, it gets it really going, you know, we'll have to see. So, so how important uh, are the earnings to you? Because what we've really seen in the last few years here is there seems to be this reward just on sales growth a lot of times. And it's almost like, oh, we, we don't care if you have earnings or not, as long as you have this phenomenal sales growth. So uh, when, when you've done your research or 
it has any of that changed in the last few years for you to focus a little bit more on the sales growth versus the earnings growth, or are they both still top of mind for you? Yeah, earnings is still really important to me, but um, I no matter what, I've got to have at least revenue. If I don't have at least revenue, if I don't have earnings or revenue, then I really don't want to give it any time at all. And I definitely will put the ones with earnings, you know, like kind of like more on top of my list. Different tier. Um, pardon me? Different tier. Yeah, a little bit different tier, right? Because if it has the earnings, then I know it even has even that much more potential, right? Because it was Bill that said, it's the earnings that keeps it going, right? And what we'll see on a lot of these IPOs is it'll break out, it'll do its first phase before it has earnings, and then it gets earnings, and then that just catapults it even more. So still super important, but it's not uh, a mandatory requirement that it has earnings for me to purchase it, especially when it's a newer IPO and is transitioning from that due diligence phase to that institutional advance phase. Well, speaking of waiting for the earnings, Lyft is another good example of that. It's been around a little bit longer and we can get in a bit more into the, the fundamentals, the story, the sponsorship, but I have a question for you about the first mature base that you're looking for in your research. Does that usually happen around new highs or are you looking for something like a, a, this setup right here? It's, it's forming a base heading into earnings next week. That's a great question. And so you see that really big deep base that was built pretty much below the 40 week line. And that's pretty sloppy and pretty deep. How deep is that, Alyssa? That's like 40, 48%. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty deep. That's, that's pretty pretty wide, <laughs> pretty messy, but Marcus, Marcus Smith flagged it. And I would still call that a first mature base. Me personally, Kathy, okay. I don't know if my co-authors would. <laughs> and if it had, uh, you know, this was, I forget what time that was. Yeah. So the end of last year into this year, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't own this stock. Um, but like that, if Marcus Smith specifically is going to pick up a base in that transition period, that would be something that I would try. Now I didn't try this one because I was actually buying Uber. Um, I honestly, and I, but I don't own Uber anymore, but I picked this one because, uh, the second, the second stage flat base that it's making right now looks really good. So, and it's here, it's flying the second stage base. Maybe we could call it a second mature base. And it's still below the turbulence zone. And that turbulence zone is that prior high that was made on that first week of trading right there. So if it can come out of this nice flat base, it's probably gonna run into some turbulence at that prior high. Um, but this looks really good. It actually, in my opinion, looks a little bit better than Uber, even though Uber has the better numbers. So this one's really kind of interesting uh, in comparison. I mean, not that that's not a bad base, um, but, Uber. and I actually, Uber, I, I wanted to buy it after that gap up of that first mature base. You see there in the due diligence stage, right, exactly, right there. Um, but that was, you know, the news of the election and was that proposition going to go through in California for right. contractors? And so there's just so much going on with it. And now it's kind of going sideways. 
and actually Uber's numbers don't look as good as, as, as they have been. And of course, this is about, you know, people traveling again and all of that. And that's the other reason why I wanted to look at, at Lyft. And then of course, Uber's in the, in the same category, but, um, but yeah, so this is still, I would say it's still in that institution due diligence phase until it breaks through that turbulence. I, I, I wouldn't say with confidence we're officially in that advanced phase, but it has had two mature bases, one pretty deep and sloppy, and now you've got this nice little flat base. So I think there's going to be interesting to watch and see if, you know, they're one of those opening plays that we're, we're going to be seeing this year as America goes back out and travels, hopefully. Right. And well, I think there's always something really interesting about these, you know, real kind of sloppy bases that kind of, you know, correct themselves. They, 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 they get tighter, they look better. And while the weekly chart is giving you this longer history, so you can see kind of its faults from before. And, you know, we never like to see things that have gone, you know, these 50% plus bases, but if it can tighten up, then it has kind of a different look to it. Um, but I, I do notice that you're spending quite a bit of time on the weekly charts. Is that where you uh, focus most of your attention? Um, or when do you start using daily charts? I absolutely start with the weekly chart. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I learned that from Bill, right? Right. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah. So I use the daily charts for that, you know, precise buy point, right? Because, you know, the handle forms on the daily first, and you don't want to miss that handle, right? I mean, I mm -hmm. think that is key. And also that's where you can draw, you know, potential early buy points too, by drawing a downward trend line. And yeah, and right there, exactly. So, you know, I think those are important. So I will focus for sure on those daily charts to make sure I get the best buy point. But overall, when I'm scanning a bunch of charts, I'm right. scanning weeklies and I'm looking for like, this is a, a pump and dump pattern where, you know, just went down immediately from when it IPO'd and created this, you know, very deep, long institution due diligence phase. And then I'm looking for those bases to be forming right around that 40 week line. And, you know, almost like if it's forming above the 40 week line, that's ideal, right? Just like when we see bases form above the 10 week line is ideal. Here, you wanna see them ideally above that 40 week, but not that this wouldn't work because you did have like that little bitty tight, good looking handle there. Not good looking, but okay. <laughs> Well, are you going to be waiting for this to get into new highs or do you think you might yeah. start nibbling um, a little a little bit earlier? Oh, I would absolutely nibble early. Yes, of course. I really want to get that first um, mature base if I can or the second before the turbulence zone. Okay, uh, ahead of that. Okay, well, we'll have to see what Lyft's earnings report is. We know you're, you're ready. You're in uh, that stalking position, ready to ready to uh, strike there, Kathy, but we'll have to see. Roblox is another one that we want to get to. Less trading history, of course, just in this initial IPO phase, but yet another uh, company here with a very compelling story in the early going with that strong top line growth. Yeah, so this is an example of, um, you know, it has an IPO base, hasn't been trading very long, what, maybe eight weeks or so. And uh, I, I will disclose, I, I own this stock and it's not, it's unusual for me to have, be buying a stock this, this early. I mean, I'll go two, but usually no more than two, because then this is that volatility and right. then I sleep at night because <laughs> the swings can be so wide. You mean no more than two of these in your portfolio at one time? 
Exactly. Okay. In this stage, you know, mm-hmm. in the potential IPO advanced phase. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with the story and all the kids that are using Roblox and just kind of really interesting or very interesting. I mean, I, you know, me as as an adult, I guess I, I don't get it, but the kids get it right. And we got to see what the kids are doing <laughs> and understand and, and don't miss out. So and this is very liquid and the pattern is it, it, it's just so interesting. I mean, you got, you know, some great blue bars and they're, they're tight and, you know, did try to break out, but then it came back. I mean, super normal for, uh, you know, an IPO to do that. Um, so, and this is one, I will say, you know, I was talking about my position sizes being at 12% to start on, because I am buying an IPO advanced phase and because I know it's going to be more volatile, I do not have a 12% position size. So I do want to make that to clear with mm-hmm. everybody. I mean, cause look, look how wide it, I mean, it broke out, shook you out, whatever, you know, I'm, I give this one a little bit more room, but then again, I don't have a, the same amount of money into it. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. Um, but I think there's just a lot of potential and in, in the stories there. So what I'm looking for on this is an IPO advance phase. You know, maybe we get a hundred percent out of it, or maybe we get 50 or maybe we get nothing and then it rolls over. Um, or maybe we get a stair stepper, you know, it'll go up, it'll base sideways, it'll go up base, you know, and, and never really have a due diligence phase, you know, to be determined. But these are all the things I know that could potentially happen. And I'm just watching it from those perspectives. Well, and that kind of helps a little bit when you have these different scenarios thought through ahead of time, because then you can build an action plan for if this happens, then I'll do this. If this happens, then I'll do this uh, and so on. That was one of the things that Bill was always talking about. You know, that's, that's what boot camp is for them for in the military, you know, to, you know, practice all of those things before you get into a situation where you really need them. Um, but now with, with Roblox, um, Roblox, you've got this. Uh, and if it does go through that due diligence, you're, you're probably not going to be holding through that. Um, so bringing this back to snow, you kind of played that for a little bit in that IPO advance phase. Do you find that it helps you a little bit when you've got something that you've maybe played in that IPO advance phase, then you let it do its due diligence phase, and then you play it again? Does that help you or does it, does it matter at all for you? No, I think definitely that helps, Justin. I mean, I think anything, anytime you've traded the stock before, I think it helps. I don't know why, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, because there's, I guess there's just some kind of familiarity and that whole thing about being able to buy something back, you know, right. and, you know, because you need to be able to do that. And how many times did Bill, Bill, Bill tell us that? And we didn't do it and we wish we had. Um, so yeah, I absolutely like to buy stocks that I've bought in an IPO advance phase and then look for it, you know, in the, uh, institutional advance phase as well. So speaking of having a game plan, you said you own Roblox now, what kind of action are you looking for to add to your position? Uh, is, is there some sort of early entry that you're eyeing here, or if it moves back above that IPO base five pointer into new highs, what's what's your plan for the upside? So because this is um, you know, I was saying, you know, it's IPO based, only been trading about eight weeks. I know it's gonna be more volatile. I'm not looking to add. <laughs> I'm looking to hold on. <laughs> hold on to for dear life. Yeah. So I'm hoping, you know, it'll be successful. You know, I'm going to get some, some gains out of it. Uh, but uh, at this point, I, I'm not looking to add. 
uh, for those reasons. <laughs> so is it really more when you're in that institutional advance phase that you're looking to really beef up those positions versus just this uh, initial IPO move? Yes, exactly. So in the in the IP institutional advance phase, I'll be looking to you know buy that first mature base, and then I'll add along the way at you know proper secondary buy points until I get to the second stage base. And I'm glad you asked this question because I did want to mention this. And then the second stage base, you know, I'll put on another full position if it allows me. And then at that point, I actually will stop adding so that I can hold it through when it starts to get more choppy around that third stage base or because it may come back to the 40 week line before it starts going again. So I really want to be done with all my ads by that second stage base. So that's a great question. Well, good, so, very formative. So to kind of wrap this up, you know, th these are a number of IPOs that you, you mentioned, but uh, one thing that we've seen, at least in the last couple of years here, uh, a lot of these special purpose acquisition companies, the SPACs, um, is, is any of your research kind of apply to these SPACs or is it kind of its own animal? And is that something that you're looking at at all at playing? Well, I think it's definitely its own animal. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you asked the question because my plug for MarketSmith is that we need a filter so that we know if the stock used to be a SPAC. Because right uh -huh. now, as you know, you can, you can search on blank check, but once it changes to that new company, right. and you, you don't know if it's yeah. was a SPAC anymore unless you just recognize the pattern, which they're pretty recognizable because when the deal is announced, yeah. even if it's not final, you know, it just like goes up. And then when mm -hmm. it's final, it like goes up again, and then it kind of tanks. So you can apply some the life cycle trade, you know, kind of rules there where, the deal, the deal's announced, it kind of has this initial advance and then it tanks. I mean, I went through a list of 40 or so SPACs over the weekend and they were, I couldn't believe how ugly the chart patterns were. I mean, there's some exceptions, of course, but mm -hmm. they're just like- DraftKings is SPAC. Yeah, DraftKings doesn't, now that's the exception of one of the yeah. ones that doesn't look as bad, right? But a lot of them are rolling over. They're already in their 40 week, below their 40 week line. And they're creating that like due diligence phase. So what's going to be really interesting is, are they going to tighten up and kind of maybe create this first mature base we've been talking about, you know, where it's actually only maybe 20 or 30% deep <laughs> and give us a breakout for then now a more mature institutional advance run you know, to be determined, but uh, yeah, that would be a great research project to do further at some point uh, once we, we see what happens. Cause yeah, we have an unprecedented amount of SPACs and it's just blowing my mind. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to talk about that in the future when we have you on another podcast episode, we'll have to see. But Kathy, thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights with us today. It was great digging into uh, some of your strategies. Thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure. I had a great time uh, visiting with you guys. Keep up the good work. Oh, it's great having you. And that's it for this week's show. Coming up next week, we're going to have Chris Retzler of Needham Funds. So make sure to tune in for that. Signing off for this week, Alyssa Quorum and Justin Nielsen. We'll see you next time. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. 
This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.